Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. John chapter 11, John chapter 11. We, we kicked off a couple of weeks ago uh, a series, a thought, uh, several ideas that I thought God really imparted to us to help encourage us as a church and as a spiritual family. We've been talking about from tragedy to turning point, from tragedy to turning point. And I want you to notice the title of that and the significance of it, from to, going from one thing to another thing. How many of you have discovered that you can't always determine what happens to you, but you do have a lot to say about what comes from you? You know, we can't always uh, control the circumstances that come our way. But when we do experience tragedy, how many of you know that God doesn't want us to stay there? Come on, can I have a better amen? The way of the kingdom is always moving forward. And so, you know, some of you may be walking through some tragic circumstances. Many of you know last month and over the last several weeks what our city, what our community has gone through. We've seen tragedy. We have cried our tears. We have experienced hurt and heartache. But the plan of God for his people is always to move us from tragedy into a turning point. Can you say amen? John chapter 11, this is perhaps one of my favorite stories in the gospel. John chapter 11, this is the story of Lazarus. How many has ever heard the story of Lazarus? What a tragic set of circumstances. This is a very familiar story, but I'm going to ask you to read this with me through a brand new set of eyes. I want you to hear it. Do your best to hear it for the very first time. Maybe God will show us some different things out of this and give us revelation of how to move from tragedy, from difficulty, from pain, from heartache into a turning point that can bring God glory. Look at what it says in John chapter 11, starting with verse 4. Scripture says, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God. Now, I want you to underline that phrase in your Bible. Now, that's important. Circle that phrase. Write that phrase down somewhere. He's talking about Lazarus and this sickness. He's discovered that his friend, in fact, the, 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 the Scripture tells us that, that Mary and Martha and Lazarus, very close friends to Jesus, close personal relationship, they, that Jesus discovered that Lazarus is sick, and so he says this sickness is not going to end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God. Now, let's stop right there. That'll mess with your theology. How could sickness ever happen for God's glory? You ever wondered that? You ever walked through pain or hurt and heartache and thought, Lord, how in the world could you ever get glory from this? Yet Jesus says the sickness won't end in death, but it will happen for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Verse 5, so although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Although Jesus loved, he stayed. Now, you think about it. Wait a second. Lord, if you know that your friend is sick and you truly care about him, surely you're going to go. How many of you know love doesn't always go? Sometimes love stays. Now, this is hard for us to understand. This is difficult for me to wrap my mind around this. Lazarus was sick, but yet Lazarus was a close personal friend 
of Jesus. You know what that tells me? Just because we serve the Lord doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen to us. I don't know where we bought into the idea that says if we'll just, if we'll give our life to Jesus, then we'll live in this, this safe bubble that no, no, no evil, no harm, no bad thing can happen. I'm telling you, how many know we live in the real world? And even bad things happen to good people. And sometimes because of our love and our loyalty and our allegiance to Jesus, opposition will find its way at our doorstep. Lazarus is sick. Mary and Martha, now I, I love this. I can't read this story without thinking about my mom and my aunt. My mom's name is Mary, and her twin sister's name is Martha. They're identical twins. In fact, when they were first born, my grandparents couldn't tell them apart, so they painted the toenail of one of the children to distinguish between the two. Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha, they prayed. They sent for Jesus. Lord, the one that you love is sick. Yet Jesus didn't show up. What do you do? When Jesus doesn't do what you want him to do. What do you do when God doesn't show up when you want him to show up? What do you do when crisis hits, when tragedy, maybe sickness attacks your body, or, or there's a struggle or a challenge with one of your children, or you have some financial upheaval? What do you do when God doesn't show up and do what you want him to do? when you want him to do it. I think this, this is a narrative that's going to help us move. There are, there are three or four different movements within this passage that I think is, it's going to help us understand how God, in spite of pain, still has purpose. How God can move us from tragedy to a turning point. Lazarus is sick, and the Bible says that Jesus just took his time. Do you know what that feels like? How many of you have ever been in a hurry and you realize that God is not in a hurry? How has ever prayed in such a way where you're trying to inform God, giving him a clue as, as to what he needs to do? Anybody ever try to help God out a little bit? Am I the only one? Lord, if you don't show up right now, we got to have you right now. God, here's what's going on. Apparently, Lord, you don't know what's happening. Let me tell you what he said, what she's doing, how this thing played out. God, now here's what I think you should do. How many of you know that his ways are higher than our ways? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It's almost like Jesus just takes his time and Lazarus crosses the line. He dies. Sometimes people will put up with you until you cross a line. Come on now. Well, I got patience for you until you do this. But when you did that, you crossed the line. Now I'm done. Now, now, now in, in, in biblical times, when someone would die, they had a very elaborate process of, of ointments and, and preparations for the body and this whole burial thing. They put Lazarus in the grave and they said he's done. I'm telling you, some of you, you feel like people have looked at you and they've given up on you. They said, okay, well, I put up with you until this point, but you've crossed the line, you're done. They buried Lazarus. The Bible says they wrapped him up and they put him in a tomb. Now, now, now here's one of the things I think is most important in this passage. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write, this first, write down this first word, this first thought. If you're taking notes, write down the word perspective. Everybody say perspective. Now, didn't Jesus say that this sickness wouldn't end in death? Didn't, he, didn't we just read that? But wait a second, Lazarus has died. I'm telling you, when you're hurting, it's easy to lose perspective. 
When you're going through pain, it's easy to, to miss the big picture and you become fixated on what the problem is. How many's ever stubbed your toe? How many's ever stepped on a Lego in the middle of the night? How many know that'll test your salvation right there? Ever been trying to drive a nail with a hammer and you miss that nail? Come on, talk to me, somebody. I got a splinter in my toe the other day, and it's like my whole body shut down. All I could think about was my foot. In fact, that, that little splinter in my toe gave me a headache. My whole body was kind of talking to me about that pain. I'll tell you, when you go through hurt and heartache, it's easy to lose perspective and just become fixated on your pain. Jesus said the sickness won't end in death, but watch this. Just because it won't end in death, doesn't mean you won't meet death in the middle. There was a time they had held out hope, but when Lazarus breathed his last, they said it's done. It's easy to lose perspective. Sometimes we give up hope on a marriage. We give up hope on a certain individual. We've been praying for somebody, believing for, God, you're going to change their life. You're going to turn this thing around. Maybe financially, we've been believing for breakthrough, and we just haven't seen it, so we give up hope. We lose perspective. Jesus said, this sickness won't end in death, but it'll be for the glory of God. That's difficult. Lord, if, if you can get glory from my struggle, then I will struggle unto Jesus. Perspective. I read this recently. According to a recent news report, there was a junior high school in Washington State. They faced a unique problem. Little 12-year-old girls were starting to use lipstick. So they would make up their faces in the bathroom. After they would put on their lipstick, they would press their little lip prints against the mirror, leaving dozens of, of lipstick marks all over the mirror. Every night, the janitor would have to clean the mirrors, but the next day, the girls would do it again. So finally, the principal had to get involved, and she called all the girls into the bathroom, and she met them with the janitor. She explained to them the problem that these little lip prints were causing, and the, the custodians had to clean those mirrors every single night. So she asked the janitor to show the girls how much effort was, was required. So he took out a long-handled squeegee, and he dipped it into the toilet bowl, and he began to clean the mirrors with that squeegee. How many know there weren't any more lip prints on those mirrors after that day? Why? Because somebody got perspective. Can I have a good amen? Why is perspective so important? Because what you see determines what you think. And what you think will influence what you say. And what you say will eventually determine what you do. Come on, are you catching this this morning? It's so important that we don't lose kingdom perspective just because we're in the middle of something painful. God wants to give you revelation on your situation. God wants to talk to you. You may not have every answer of why this is happening, but I tell you this, if you'll keep a kingdom spirit, God can take the worst thing that's happened to you and turn it into the best thing for you. Do you believe that? I don't know how he does it, but he does. Well, hear, hear my heart. Don't misinterpret the presence of your pain as the absence of your God. 
Just because pain is present doesn't mean that God is absent. Mary and Martha and the whole village, the whole community there at Bethany, they came out in droves. They were so sad because Lazarus, the one Jesus loved, had died. Look at what it says in verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here. Lord, if only you had been here, none of this would have happened. My brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Verse 24, yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at that last day. But Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Can I have a good amen? Oh, this is such a great passage here because Martha feels like it's too late. Well, well, Lord, I know you can do whatever you want. Jesus says, well, he's going to rise again. And Martha says, of course he will. On that final day, on that great judgment day, you're going to raise him from the dead. But that doesn't help me now. It's good for then, but it doesn't help me now. How many of you have found sometimes it's easier for you to believe the promises of God for somebody else than for yourself? It's easier for me to pray sickness off of your body, but when I catch a cold, when I get sick, when I got my challenges, sometimes it's hard for me to believe it for me. Martha's like, of course, he'll be raised when everybody else is on that final day. But what good is that doing me now? And Jesus says, wait a second, I am the resurrection and the life. He's not I was or I will be, but I am. You know what that tells me? That Jesus is the right now answer that you need regardless of what it is that you're walking through. It's not just for one day or someday or I hope or Lord, it may, if you just would have been. No, no, no. Jesus says I am perspective. Now look at what he says in verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, And saw the other people wailing with her. A deep anger welled up within him. Interesting. The New Living Translation would use the word anger. Uh, Not in a natural sense. Not in a a physical sense where it was a man-made anger that would lead to violence or, or, or destruction. But the Bible says he was deeply troubled in his spirit. I want you to see this picture of Jesus. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord... Come and see, verse 35, then Jesus wept. Second thing I want you to write down is this. Number two, write down the word passion. Everybody say passion. Oh, I love this about Jesus. Notice the emotion that Jesus carries in this particular passage. The Bible says he was angry and he wept. The Bible, and in fact, Jesus, already knowing what he wanted to do, he saw this situation. There was something inside of him. I want you to consider this. There was something inside of Jesus that said, you know what? This is not right. Enough is enough. When it, when it comes to anger, I believe that there was a righteous indignation. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I say that? Not something that says, oh, I'm going to get back at somebody or I'm going to do harm to somebody. But, and many of you, when you watch the news or when you see what's happening in our, in our country, or, you know, there are things that just don't sit well with you. You're stirred up on the inside. I believe that's what was happening here. When Jesus saw this, he said, this is not right. Enough is enough. And I believe that it's time for us as the body of Christ to say, wait a second now. These things are not right. Enough is 
is enough. Lord, you got to get involved in this thing. God, you better do something, and Lord, use me to do it. Enough is enough. And then he looks at this family that's in grief and in sorrow, and the scripture says he broke down and he cried. I love that about Jesus. I love that Jesus feels your hurt and my hurt. I love that, 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 that he knows your sorrow and my sorrow. You see, a Jesus that never cries could never be a Jesus that wipes the tears from my eyes. But we serve, the Bible says we have a high priest who's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. I'm going to tell you this, you will never go where Jesus has not already been. Whatever your struggle is, whatever your hurt or pain is, we have a loving Savior, a passionate Jesus who feels, he sees, he knows, he experiences. In fact, Isaiah said this 700 years before Christ even walked the earth. Isaiah prophesied in chapter 53, he said this, Jesus was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest of grief. I love it that Jesus never did anything halfway, but he put his heart and soul into it. You know what? And that's what we do here at Healing Place. We are heart and soul people. Can I have a better amen? Man, whether it's worship, whether it's prayer, whether it's teaching. I mean, even in this moment, I just sense your heart leaning into what God is saying. We don't ever do anything halfway or just to get by. If we love, we love passionately. If we live, we live with passion. If we serve, we serve with passion. Everything we do, we attach our heart and soul. This is the Jesus that we serve. And look at what it says in verse 39. Then Jesus tells them this. Roll the stone aside. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been in that grave. He's been dead for four days. Somebody say four days. And by now, the smell is terrible. Come on, somebody take a breath. Lord, I'm not getting involved in that. That just stinks. I want nothing to do. Don't move that stone away. We've already buried him. Our hope is gone. There's nothing left. If you move that stone, then you're going to open up something that stinks. Come on now. Some of you, God's telling you to get involved in some smelly situations. God, I don't want nothing to do with him. He's already had his chance. You know, people that disappoint you or hurt you and got spirit of God leading you to forgive, leading you to build a bridge saying, wait a second. Now, don't give up on that person just yet. You're like, Lord, I don't want to get involved in the smell. How many of you work with some stinky people? <laughs> not everything is, is peaches and cream and nice and rosy and, you know, not everything is pleasant. Sometimes God will cause you to get into some difficult situations so he can do some supernatural things. Jesus doesn't even talk about the smell. I love that. How many know that if he wanted to, Jesus could tell a lot of stinky stories about us? <laughs> Jesus knows all about you and still believes the best in you. Other people talking about how bad you smell, what you did, your attitude, your actions, but yet Jesus, not afraid of the stench, he says, roll the stone away. You know what's crazy to me? That at every single moment in this story, Jesus was trying to involve people in the miracle, yet they kept resisting him. He's wanting their participation, yet they say, 
no, we're not comfortable with that. In fact, when Jesus said, it's time to go to Bethany, the disciples were like, no, Lord, last time we were there, they tried to kill you. We're not going back there. When they do finally get to Bethany, Mary and Martha are upset, saying, where have you been? It's too late. We don't need you now. And then Jesus says, roll the stone away, and nobody there wants to do anything about that stone. Why? Because it stinks. Here's what I love about Healing Place Church. We are not afraid of the stench. That God has called us as men and women, to get involved with messy situations, to get down in the mess of people's life so that we could speak life to something that others maybe have given up on. Maybe they have buried and said, look, it's too late. man. Nobody wants anything to do with that. And God says, well, wait, I want to get involved. I want to do. The third thing I want you to write down is this. This is a great word. In fact, this is a kingdom word. Write down the word partnership. Partnership. The supernatural happens. God doesn't want to just do a miracle for you. He wants to do a miracle with you. He wants to include you in the process. Now, here's what I want you to do. When you came in this morning, you you received one of these cards. I want you to take a moment right now to pull out this card. I want to talk you through this very quickly, very quickly, quickly, quickly. This is a small group opportunity. I know a lot of you are involved in small groups already, but some of you aren't. Okay, now check this out. Here is one of, I believe, the best opportunities we have to make a difference in our community for the rest of this year. In fact, I want to tell you a quick story of a small group opportunity and just show you the power of what happens when people come together and partner with God. Uh, I guess it was last week. Last week, uh, one of the small groups that we host in Denham Springs, in fact, it had only been meeting for maybe three or four weeks. A group of six or seven ladies came together out in Denham Springs, and they were They were praying, and this is the prayer that they prayed. Lord, help us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. How many of you know when you pray that prayer, you better get ready? Lord, we just want to be your hands. That's a real pretty prayer to pray in church. But how many know it has messy implications? God's going to draw you outside of what's comfortable, and you have to reach into the pain of somebody else's misery. Sometimes it doesn't always smell nice. Lord, we want to be the hands and feet of of Jesus. And so one of the ladies from this group had discovered a single mom who had been living with her two small children out of her car for the last two months. How many know how hot it's been in Baton Rouge this summer? Living with a six-year-old and a one-year-old out of her car that did not have air conditioning. No AC. Brakes were about to go out. This car is in, I mean, it's a mess. And she's doing her very best to to take care of these kids. In fact, she had feared that she was going to lose her children. She got so desperate, she said, I considered stealing diapers for my one-year-old. I just didn't have any resources. Well, the ladies from this small group discovered the plight of this single mom. She comes back to the small group and says, listen, we got to do something to help this precious lady. We prayed that God would help us to be his hands and feet. Do you know they mobilized, and in just a matter of days, they were able to buy diapers. They were able to buy clothes, backpacks, school supplies, all I mean, gift cards, you name strollers, diaper bags. I mean, they showered this single mom with so much stuff. She was overwhelmed. I, I, I don't even know what to th- I don't even know. Why, why are you doing all of this? Guess what? Yesterday... Two mechanics, it was their day off, worked on her vehicle and put four new tires on her car, gave her an oil change, put $2,500 of work within that vehicle, fixed her air conditioning. I'm telling you what, you want to see God bringing dead things back to life? 
All because a few ladies were in a small group and they were praying for ways to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Now, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you today to take this card and I want you to put your details on this card. And after service, as soon as service is over with, we're going to move right outside of here, walk through this uh, uh, vomitory, walk through this exit right here. And in meeting room two, we would love to sit down with you and equip you. And I'm only asking that you do this for the next five weeks. Just, just give it a try. You say, Mike, I've never been to Bible college. I, I don't know the scriptures. I'm not really equipped. We'll give you all the resource and material you need. But for some of you, if you would just open up your home, invite a few friends, maybe have coffee. Maybe it's with some individuals in your neighborhood or, or at your workplace or at your school. If you'll make a decision, you know what? I want to step out and partner with the promises of God. I believe if you'll do those things, you'll begin to see the supernatural. You see, Jesus, from the very beginning, was always trying to involve people. Now, he could have done it without him, but how many of you know he'd rather do it with him? I, I could do it on my own, but you know what? I want to include you in the process. You see, here's, here's the beautiful thing. Look at what it says, verse 41. Finally, the Bible says, they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they'll believe you sent me. Verse 43, then Jesus shouted. Somebody say, shout. Ah, oh, don't you love that about Jesus? Sometimes you just got to shout. I love that about Healing Place. HPC is not a quiet church. I like it that when you come up in here and you feel passionate in your spirit when it comes to worship, man, you're not afraid to sing out and declare the goodness of God. Shouting is all about proclaiming a promise. It's about declaring the sovereignty and authority of God. How many loud people we have up in the house? Now, it's okay to be quiet. I'm just not a quiet guy. And it frustrates Rachel to no end. She's like, baby, you're just so loud all the time. I'm like, I'm not. I think I'm whispering. She's like, shh. I wake up. I wake up two ways. I wake up early and I wake up happy. Anybody else? And how many know it's hard to be quiet when you're happy? I, just, I went to bed last night. You know what I prayed? Lord, if you wake me up tomorrow, I promise you won't regret it. And when I woke up today, I thought, ooh, here we go, baby. My feet hit the floor. I said, God, I'm going to give you my best because, Lord, you gave me your best when you sent me Jesus. When I think about what Jesus has done for me, I'm sorry. It's just hard for me to be quiet. It's hard for me to just settle down. I get, there's just something on the inside of me that just has to give him praise. I got to give him glory. The Bible says, clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Shout! I want all of Baton Rouge to know. I want this entire region to know. I'm not ashamed of what Jesus has done for me. You think I'm going to hide in some closet and apologize for the power of the cross? You don't know what God has done for me, how he's transformed my life. When other people didn't give me a chance, they buried me. They put me in a tomb. They wrapped me up and said, he's done. He's finished. And God says, well, well wait a second. What you've buried, I'm going to bless. 
And God has a way of resurrecting parts of our life. He has a way of, of bringing life back to relationships and soul and spirit back to your body. I'm telling you, when you know what God's done for you, you just can't be quiet. In fact, when Jesus comes back, you know what? He's not coming back with a whisper. The Bible says the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. The dead in Christ will rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with our Lord. Jesus shouted. And some of you, you need to get vocal about this. I'm telling you, you, you've been listening to the devil talk to you long enough. And your silence is giving the enemy access. But if you'll just speak up and say, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a second. I know what the Lord has done for me. The other people tried to bury me, but God's saying, no, I'm going to bless you. You know what? And that's the story. That's the story of this church. That's the story of dozens of churches. You know, the enemy's not happy that the doors of this church are open. Time and time again, he's tried to shut the doors of this church. And guess what? We've opened these doors week after week. Guess what? We've opened doors at Angola. We've opened doors uh, down in Honduras. We've opened doors. Soon we'll open doors in Denham Springs. Devil's trying to shut doors. God's into opening doors. Uh, he thought for this place to just be empty and desolate. Nobody come here on a Sunday. Oh, they predict that grass would grow up out of the parking lot. Guess what? We had to pour more parking. We got 100 more spaces. We're trying to accommodate people. Why? has nothing to do with us, but has everything to do with the power of God. And I just wish some of you would get so stirred in your spirit that you would feel the power of heaven just igniting that thing inside of you and you would declare the glory of God, the goodness of God over your children, over your marriage, over your family. The Bible says Jesus shouted. He said, Lazarus, come on out of there. Now, you know what? You know what some scholars say? Some scholars say that had Jesus not said Lazarus, if Jesus would have just shouted, come out, every grave, every tomb of every prophet, every priest, every preacher, every faith person would have opened up and they would have all come out of that grave. I'm going to tell you what, Jesus has power when he speaks, but he said Lazarus. Come on, somebody say Lazarus. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm coming out in Jesus' name. I believe God's calling some of you by name. The, 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 the people around you, they gave up on you. They gave you no hope. They buried you. They wrapped you up and put you in some tomb. But God says, I'm not finished with you yet. <laughs> Y'all going to make me run all over this church. <laughs> He said, Lazarus, come on out. Oh, I just believe where, where, where hopelessness resides that God can place hope right in the middle of it. Maybe all you see is death and destruction and discouragement, but I'm telling you, God brought you here today to hear this message. He's not finished with you. The place that you gave up on Lazarus, that very place that you buried him, and all the city is mourning his death. Show me where you put him. Roll that stone aside. Listen, it's not about the stone, and it's not about that stink. Some of you are tied up in a bunch of stuff. Jesus says, come forth. Now, let me finish this. I'll ask the band to come up. <laughs> and I'm sweating up in here. My goodness. <laughs> Look at what it says in verse 44. And the dead man came out, 
his hands and feet bound in grave clothes and his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap this man, loose him and let him go. I'm telling you, bandages are good. Wrapping is good if you're dead. But don't put bandages on a man that's still alive. That stuff's got to come off. And some of you, God is bringing hope and he's bringing resurrection power back into you. And you feel life being stirred up in you, even in this moment. But there was a problem here. Lazarus was alive, but he was still bound. And some of you, you're here this morning. You have life in you, but you're bound up. Maybe you're bound by shame. That's a terrible way to live life. Maybe you're bound by guilt, condemnation, failure, disappointment, discouragement, insecurity, fear. I don't know what it is that has you wrapped up, but Jesus said, listen, see that, that man, he's alive, but you better loose him and you better let him go. God wants you this morning, not just living, but he wants you free. He wants to set you free. It does you no good to have life in your body, but yet you're handcuffed because of so many other things. They let him go. And do you know, the testimony of one man's life turned an entire village upside down for Christ. That whole region flocked after Jesus because of what he had done in Lazarus' life. Now, here's the interesting thing. If you read chapter 12, John chapter 12, those Pharisees were so mad. The religious leaders were so mad at what's happening. We're losing all of our followers to Jesus, and it's because of this man, Lazarus. I pray, I pray that the devil says that about you that he's so mad at you that so many people are following Jesus because of the testimony of your life. Listen, there's a reason why you walk through pain and hurt and heartache and tragedy. Your test becomes your testimony. Your mess becomes your message. And now all of a sudden, you're able to bring honor and glory to God and you say, look what God's done. The Bible says those Pharisees hated Lazarus so much that they wanted to kill him. They put a death threat on him. Does anybody else find that hysterical? I mean, really? You gonna try to kill Lazarus? Again? <laughs> Lazarus probably like, I ain't scared. Lazarus, you know that they're, they're talking about you. They're plotting. They're gonna try to kill if you. Keep, if you keep telling people about Jesus, man, those religious leaders, they're gonna come after you. They're gonna kill you dead. And he's like, uh, uh, yeah, and your point is? <laughs> Been there, done that. You can't intimidate a man from dying if he's already been dead and rose again from, I'm telling Listen, let's leave this place today alive in our hearts and totally free, unbound, unchained, unfettered. We're not hindered. We are alive and free and fully engaged in what God wants us to do. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.